Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. All right, everyone. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Trent Sosby. I'm Mike Atkins. I'm Paul Forbes. And I'm Ralph Enough, and we're back again to do another community building episode. This time, specifically on a uh, tip from one of our community members that, hey, why don't you talk about online communities? So I reached out to the people that that have really great online communities and said, hey, guys, I don't know anything about this. Why don't you come on and help us share some knowledge? Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Good to be here. Well, obviously, Paul, you've not been on the show before, so let's give an introduction to the Countercharge audience. Kind of give us a sense of your origin gaming story. Okay, I'm a, a long-time wargamer. As a kid, I used to build you know, model model kits and um, those Steve Jackson fighting fantasy game books, the ones you, know, you roll the dice and you had the character sheet in there. One day, I uh, headed into uh, the Big Smoke in Sydney, and there was a store called Hobby Co. Walking down the stairs, there was a little diorama of some uh, space dwarves on trikes attacking a, uh, a uh, an orc fortification, and I was like, I was probably maybe 11 or 12 when I saw that. I thought, that's freaking cool. And uh, so I was like, what, what's this sort of thing? Didn't really get into it at that stage. A couple of, in, in school, uh, high school, a couple of my friends started Blood Bowl, um, that old foam pitch edition, like the first edition that wasn't the cardboard cutouts. And, uh, you know, played Middle-earth role-playing, you know, did a little bit of miniature stuff. I was, at, uh, I was in high school and I was in trouble. I was in detention and I was reading a copy of Rogue Trader that I'd picked up and the, uh, the math teacher looked and started talking to me. Him and some of his friends were doing historical wargaming. I got invited to go see them, got into that stuff. That really gave me an appreciation of um, of clean, simple rule sets, you know, like proper like positional wargaming. My friends and I, though, we went the 40K route. And that was during the stupid period where you could you know, make a, a times times 50 haywire grenade on a jet bike, ram it across a table, blow up half the, the, the army at the other side of the game. So it was, <laughs> it was like real dick moves, you know, whenever we could. You know, it ended up, uh, a companion came out, the game got a little bit power, the, you know, codex creep at that stage and switched over to fantasy. That wasn't so abusable. Then, yeah, life got in the way and didn't play for another 20 years. Came back in, um, 40k 5th edition and Flames of War. Really liked 5th edition. It wasn't too stupid, but then it went full retard and I did, you know, didn't want to play it uh, that much. After you know, having played historical war games and stuff like that, I thought, you know, I, I, need to, I need to find something else. So I went on a trip to Germany, uh, Salzburg. I went into a castle. Walking around there, you come around this little defensive corridor, and they have this awesome skeleton army and armor with pikes and muskets and cannon all pointing directly at you, and you walk into this room. It was awesome. So ordered a uh, an Empire army immediately afterwards. The infamous Dan Miner helped me put it together. I played one game of fantasy, and I was like, God, this game sucks. Put that away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, was just, it just sucked. There was not much gameplay in there. I thought it'd gone the same way as 40K. Played some other stuff. And um, then, you know, uh, first edition Kings of War came out. And uh, without the restrictions, it was broken as hell. You know, one of our, uh, our local guys, uh, Brian, um, the, he called it Cheese Whiz. It was all goblin wizards and trombones. And, um, you know, second edition came out. And once that came out, haven't looked back those of us that were playing first edition, it was a rough, it was a rough game. 
it's kind of like what we're at with firefight right now. You know, people are like, Oh, this guy is fine. You've got to go through that first edition to mm-hmm. find out what doesn't work. And that's right. And have people play it. And because I mean, no matter how much play testing they do, it's not ever enough, right? Yeah. You got to have somebody that doesn't have any self-restraint. That's the big thing. There's always going to be the min maxers, right? Absolutely. Always. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to talk about online communities tonight. And I think a good place for us to start is to go around and talk about your online communities. And Paul, maybe we start with you. Give us a sense of, you know, obviously you're a YouTube battle reporter, but give us a sense of where did that channel Victoria Wargaming come from? Where's the inspiration? And then kind of give us a sense of what are you guys trying to accomplish? Okay, so it really it's an extension of what was our local community. Um, I moved over here. Um, my father-in-law uh, was like an ex-military, and he set up a, a club room uh, where a lot of ex-military people used to meet, uh, attached to his house. It's quite a big space. And uh, when he passed, I moved over here with my wife to be close to the mother-in-law and had this space there which wasn't being used as the older soldiers were passing along, um, yeah, passing on and stuff like that. So I asked her if I could run a club there. That started and uh, started a Facebook group, and it's grown to, I think, 740 members of the local community. Uh, we ended up with some local, uh, lo- friendly local gaming store came in, and we uh, used terrain, uh, club terrain, basically table sets when we first started. Just from there, using Facebook mostly, the club has grown. Uh, we have a really good community of war gamers here on the island. So, yeah, the, the, the main reason for the online stuff was to expand the community here. And get a little bit of exposure for Kings of War because I found that a lot of people um, had played other war games and they never really gave Kings of War a go. They might play the first game and they'll play Kill and they just don't get what is so good about Kings of War. You know, one of the things we're going to talk about is how, you know, if you build a if you build an online community, how can you leverage that to help you locally, right? Mm-hmm. What I found with Kings of War is when we first got into it, you have to cast a really wide net to get enough people, right? Because number one, in this day and age, I think that there's a sense of, hey, this game is too... Uh, it's ranks and flanks. It's it's hundreds of models, right? And mm-hmm. people are, that's not the direction the industry is going. So you, you need folks with a different mindset. And sometimes it's hard to just find people locally. So you, you open up, you know, the, the Facebook is where uh, Kings of War sort of settled on, among other things that we'll get onto. But yeah, you kind of got to open up that open up that net and see if, who you can get. But that's a sounds like an awesome uh, community that you guys have up there. Yeah, we we have a great community. We can run um, tournaments here locally. Uh, we do some uh, charity tournaments, especially the 40k players for uh, Wounded Warriors. Our local game stores have been very supportive. I think mainly because we've been very supportive of them when they were trying to get started by helping them you know, gear out so they could uh, and and playing games at their shops during peak hours to drive that customer base. Where do you think this this wargaming channel is going to go? Do you have like a this is where I want to get to? Not really. I'm not looking to monetize it at all. Uh, you know, because don't really want to watch ads every time an ad comes on when I'm watching YouTube. I kind of get cranky. I'm right here with you. It's just really to foster foster more community, and we've got other guys in the area in the club, especially. You know, we actually. Uh, the the YouTube channel as well as the Facebook group is kind of like, um, as Mike was saying, um, I think in uh, the recently released episode, a bit of a gatekeeping thing. We see a pool of players, and you always have your you know, people that you really don't want to take home and uh, you know look at touching your stuff and the light fingered few, and you know 
once we see the people interacting online uh, through the Facebook group and just generally being you know, good members of the community, we'll give them an invite over and they can come over because you know the uh, the club room actually has a lot of historical artifacts in it and stuff like that that these veterans have collected over the past 60 years. So we don't want anyone just coming in here and like saying, oh, well, I'd like to take that home. Five finger discounting. Brandon and Mike both brought up the point that, you know, I am like them, that we have limited time to play this mm. game. I'm happy to teach anybody the game, but if you're not going to act like an adult. Yeah, ad- adulting, yeah. Throw a dice or, you know, throw a fit. Realize we're just playing with toy soldiers. Mm-hmm. Or at the end of the day, we're just we're just here to have fun. And if you, and if people lose sight of that, those aren't, those aren't typically the type of players that I would like to spend my time with. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I, I totally get it. There's enough drama in life to be doing it in your fun time as well. This is supposed to be the escape from all mm-hmm. the drama, right? Or from life, right? Mm-hmm. This is the way we get away. And if and if you drag that in, it's like make me a little more disinterested. Well, let's throw it over to Mike. Uh, I'm sure Mike, you need no you need no introduction, but if people don't know, Mike Atkins is the the uh, the proprietor, inventor, uh, founder of Dash Twenty Eight org, which is a great community outreach site. But I'll turn turn it over to you, Mike. The same question, you know. Obviously, you have a long history of community building. Why don't you give us that sense and then? segue into kings of war and dash 28 and and through all that stuff absolutely thanks thanks rob so yeah as a as an introvert i love online community um because you know the social anxiety of like going out and meeting new people for the first time is a big deal but i love being able to just sort of browse around an online community's messaging forum to kind of get a sense of who they are before i actually show up to something in, in person for the first time. Um, and and when you asked me to come on this episode, I actually thought all the way back to like, when did I first get started in um, building and managing online communities? Because I've been doing it for something like 25, almost 30 years at this point. I started out really uh, in college when I when I first got to college back in the 90s. Uh, my, my university had this old uh, text-based VAX system that it used for student email, and it also had a bunch of discussion forums on it. So, you know, of course, the the, the campus gaming club had their own uh, bulletin board. And I could, you know, b- before I showed up for a meeting, I, I found that and kind of read some of the posts and looked at the names and tried to get a sense of like the personalities and what they're interested in to, to kind of check them out. And then I went to a meeting and met them in person. And then over the course of, you know, the first couple of weeks there at college, um, just reading reading that that discussion group and posting on it. And I was immediately struck by like how powerful of a tool uh, this thing with this, this like virtual clubhouse where, you know, the, the meetings are one hour a week and maybe people like playing games and stuff, but like that sense that we're all kind of hanging out online together all the time um, was really, really big from a community building standpoint and from like bringing in new people. Um, so that was my, that was my kind of like my first exposure and the first time the, you know, the light bulb went off on, Hey, maybe talking to people with computers is going to be a thing one day. Uh, so fast forward a couple of years and I'm the president of the club now. I'm a senior and the university decides to replace the old VAC system with something new that doesn't have student organization discussion groups anymore. So they kind of pulled the rug out from under us. And I was like, oh, that, that sucks. Maybe we'll be fine. Um, but within the first few weeks of school, it was clear that like we were not going to be fine. That, that, you know, losing that, that online forum, that, that kind of virtual clubhouse, like, Freshmen who who came to check us out uh, for for one meeting never came back, and if you saw them around campus like a month later, you'd ask them like, "Oh yeah, no, I w- I meant to come back, I just forgot because I forgot like which what time it was or what day it was or whatever." You know, just people are new college students are scatterbrained; they got a lot of stuff to to learn, and so just not having that that online presence for everybody anymore was was just killing us. So I went out and found 
a website that was just letting people make like white label discussion boards, just just plain old web based, like name it whatever you want, administrate it however you want. They'll put some ads on it uh, to to cover their costs and all. And and then I started running that, and I didn't realize at the time how how powerful of a step that was because it seemed small at the time. Previously, like everything was tied to your student account, and that meant as soon as somebody graduated, they just vanished. They were gone, right? Like they graduated, they moved away, and we never heard from them again because this was back before phone number portability and people really having personal email addresses. Most people had like a student email address for as their first email address. They didn't have a personal one yet. So like, you know, when people were no longer uh, uh, students, they were just gone. And so just, just that little step of like taking it out of the university walled garden and putting it on the public internet meant that uh, people graduated, but they never really left because they were like, well, this is the place where I talk to my friends. I've been doing it for, for, you know, the past couple of years. This is like, I've got the muscle memory. This is where I'm used to coming back to, to share things and to chat with people. So they just sort of kept doing it. And, and what was supposed to be, you know, a, you know, 15 ish person, uh, campus club turned into like a 60 person just online gaming community just by, by people graduating and continuing to use it. And they move somewhere and they, they hang out with friends and their friends and, you know, they, they tell fun stories about this thing somebody posted and like, well, could, can I get an account there? And so now I'm getting, you know, account requests from people that never went to the same school as us. And I'm like, how do you, how did, how did you find us? Why do you want to hang out with us? Like I'm flattered, but like, who are you and where'd you come from? And then I spent like several years just, just kind of managing that, that steadily growing uh, community and just watching how, how it just sort of kept kept growing, right? It, it, it attains this gravity of its own and just seems to, to keep attracting people. And then I, like, in the course of my job, I got involved with an uh, industry organization and we ran conferences, but we also hosted uh, discussion mailing lists because it, it was an email anti-spam uh, industry organization. Uh, and again, that was basically just one big community building exercise because it's people that all do, you know, kind of a tough job, kind of a thankless job. Uh, and, and just want to get together with, with their colleagues and like vent or commiserate or like share tips or whatever. Uh, and so just like providing them like an in-person opportunity and an online opportunity to to talk to other people that had a similar job as them was was huge and, and had a big impact. There's a lot of like anti-spam, like like email anti-spam, like uh, standards and like best practices and systems that exist now just because like we manage some mailing lists for people. And I really hate using mailing lists, but they were all old email people. So that's the only thing we could get them to actually use. And there's a good lesson in that too, of like, if there's something that the, the people you're trying to get are already using, that like that's your best technology choice, like lowest common denominator, lowest friction kind of kind of thing. And then I went from there and I worked at Facebook for seven years, which I hope at this point it's pretty obvious how how that plays into like online community building, since that's the tool that a lot of people use. And then I decided to retire. Haha. <laughs> and so now I do, you know, fun stuff. And since I've been doing online community stuff for years and years, when an opportunity came up to start putting together uh, some some Kings of War online community stuff, I jumped all over it. Um, Jake Cherpico was actually the first person that mentioned like, "Hey, Kings of War doesn't have like a dedicated content site like you know the like the Warhammer community does. We should build that." And I was like, "I know how to do that. Like, I don't want to I don't want to harass people to write things, but I can build the site. I can make it as easy as possible. I can you know." I can figure out how to cover the cost of it. I can figure out how to link it up to a Twitter account and a Facebook account. And like, we can build other stuff onto it as we go. And so that's kind of where, where that came from. You know, we, we have a uh, dash28.org for those of you that aren't familiar. Our mission is we are a resource for the Kings of War community. Um, so our, our MO tends to be, uh, we, we look for things that 
maybe other gaming communities have, but the Kings of War community doesn't and try to figure out how we can provide that or just look for things that we think are, are missing. Uh, so obviously the first one was the website. During the pandemic, when people weren't playing in person, we felt like uh, streaming Universal Battle Games with commentary to make them watchable was a big thing. So we started Dash 28 Live. We didn't think that the Kings of War community had enough, you know, swag and in-jokes. So we started making t-shirts and that's where we sell the, the Jesse Cornwell charity shirt now. They're still for sale. You can get them. The profits go to one of the, the animal charities uh, in West Virginia that was that was near and dear to Jesse's heart. Good timing because his birthday was yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. And so now that's that's what we do. We've got... Uh, we have the the community that are the the authors, you know, that, that write content for the site, and we've got the community of people who uh, commentate on live stream videos. And we just a bunch of us just helped with the, the UK Masters this weekend, like helping cover that so people could watch it. And that's kind of where it is right now. Like we've we've toured around with the idea of like does does Dash Twenty Eight need like not not an audience focused thing, but an actual like community forum of some sort that we run and manage. Um, and the more we kick it around, the more we're like that's. That's sort of the one thing like our community seems to do a really good job of on their own. I'm like, we don't really need to add another one. We should just help point people to the ones that are doing well and help highlight good examples. Almost like curating, right? Exactly. Yeah. So we've got a list of links on the site uh, and I try to direct people, you know, who search for Kings of War on Google and we're the first hit and they go looking for links like there's a forum over here. There's there's fanatics over there. Be careful, but it's a great place to get directions, right? Like. Yes, that's where we are. You know, we have a steady audience of a few thousand people a month. We got about a dozen authors. We're always looking for more. Uh, if you're interested in in writing for the site, you can get in touch with us, and our editors will ask you for a writing sample and check it out and and go from there. And if you're interested in commentating on videos, um, I've got a Facebook group for that that I add people to when the opportunities come up. I just throw it out there and like who's available at this time and wants to sit around and watch a game of Kings of War and crack some jokes and have a good time. And yeah, that's that's pretty much where we are right now. I think as the community has grown, obviously more and more people are coming into the community. But what that means is that there's a need or a niche to fill. Well, you know, so you mentioned the audience thing, right? Like people, people want to consume podcasts, or they want to consume uh, consume bat reps, or they want something in the written word. They want army review. It seems like the bigger we get, the more pieces. You know, uh, somebody may just want narrative stuff. They want somebody to talk about lore and the background yep, stuff. Hundred percent. You authors, so it's a great time to be involved in the uh, the community of Kings of War because it's, you know, growing. And that's one of the big factors in, in an online community. I usually refer to that as um, discoverability. Like as, as a new person walking in, where do they try to find you? How do they try to find you? And like when they go looking, what do they find first? What do they find second? You know, how do they get directed to you? How easy is it for people to find you? Yeah. It's totally funny because I just had a, a moment completely unplanned, but we had somebody that went to Reddit in mm -hmm. the Kings of War community and they said, oh, you want to get on this Discord? They pointed to the, the Countercharge Discord page. They didn't yep. even know we had a podcast. Yep. And that was like the moment I'm like, oh, okay. You never know which door they're going to come through uh, and you just got to make it accessible. There's like a fine art to making an online community look busy and full and vibrant, but not like crowded and overwhelming and also not deserted to, to people who are just walking into it and, and, and to have someone there to be like, the people are all over here right now. This is the best place for you to go. Just have that traffic director out front, you know, point you in the right place. Yeah, you need a maitre d', right? Yeah. Especially if, if that maitre d' can actually talk to the person just for a minute and find out what do they really want. You want to watch bat reps? Well, here's, here's some channels there. You want something to listen to in your car? Okay, great. Here's some things for you. You want to read reviews of events or tips and tactics you want to, in the written form? Well, there are sites for that. So it's it's a great time. It, you know, I, I kind of obviously with Countercharge, I mean, we started as we want to we want to like share, right? That's what we want to share our experiences with people. We really at the beginning, we weren't really engaging. We weren't really 
we weren't really a community, right? Right, uh, and then right. eventually what happened was somebody said, you know, you get the you get the feedback on iTunes, right? You get those things, but you, you can't really engage at the same level. That's when we started the Facebook page. And as you allude to, Mike, it seems like uh, Facebook is the chosen destination for a lot of Kings of War online communities. It, you know, and it's unfortunate because it, it's one of many tools that we're going to talk about. And for right now, it's, it's the dominant one. Uh, it's it's ever, ever changing landscape, right? So. The tricky part is, I think, online is you want to share with the community your experiences, but at the same time, you want to engage in that in that two way communication, that that the feedback that you want to have a discussion, right? And that's yeah. and that's sometimes harder. It's harder in one way, you know. Obviously, you mentioned it. If you're introverted, if you're physically trying to do that, they might they might shy away, but but maybe it'll be more accessible if it's online. You know, we're gonna we're gonna get into the nuts and bolts, but you know, I think it's uh it's great. There's there's tons of it, and we'll hopefully we'll 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 drop some links in the show notes of all these sites that we have. And and if you haven't seen, well, let's be honest. If you're if you're listening to this and you haven't been to Dash Twenty Eight, I'm shocked <laughs> at this point. They have a curated list of all the all the different avenues to get content related to Kings of War, which I'll add is is due for a facelift. So if there's anybody out there who is you know doing the Lord's work out there with the bat rep channel or, or like a personal painting blog or a, a, you know, forum that you've set up someplace or a club or whatever, shoot me a message. I'm, I'm happy to add people to, to the links page. I occasionally go through and make sure that they're all still live and look like they have activity on them. But like, I, I'm more than happy to add more. And uh, I'd just like to take the opportunity to uh, thank both you guys because I am very tired of uh, rabble rousing and negativity, uh, negativity um, being used as a way of driving traffic. Um, places like you know, Blood of Kittens and uh, what was it, Kings of World Worldwide. Just you know, the, the the people that they're just looking for issues to drive numbers. And you know, I'm I'm too old and cranky for that sort of crap. I hope that we're contributing to the community, and I hope people like it. And it seems like they are because. There's more engagement on our Facebook page, but in terms of downloads, and all, if we started to look at that, we would only do episodes. We'd only do army reviews, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? We wouldn't have these kind of discussions. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, no, same with us. Like biggest traffic drivers on the site are like the tools, obviously for people that, that want to use the map randomizer and the scenario randomizer and the chess clock, which was actually fun back when things stopped, started opening up at, at the end of the pandemic. It was fun to watch the random map generator traffic picking up and the chess clock traffic slowly dropping off. I'm like, nature is healing. People are leaving their houses again. This is amazing. Um, but the, yeah, it's like those tools, the beginner's guide and like army reviews have like a nearly permanent spot at the top of like most read articles in a given month, except when Jessica writes something and that she tends to blow everything outside of the water because she's, she's just got such a, such a great voice and she's so much fun to read. Trent, obviously you're a newer member of the community. Love to hear your take on 10,000 foot look at, at the key, the great, the wider online keys work community how, how do you see it well i just want to say first off i feel like i'm in a room of giants right so i'm, I'm like a relatively new player but, but are you really, trying to say though, i'm fat but, are you trying to say i'm but, fat no. <laughs> you would be right but 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 really though like when i was to the point where i, I was interested i knew i wanted to play like a tabletop game where i'm fantasy was out of the question wasn't interested in age of sigmar right i started looking online and you know some of the, the one of a few of the first resources i found were uh, Dash 28, Counter Charge. I started seeing the content there. That got me interested in the game. And, you know, that's why I'm here today. So it, it really, I, I just want to say, like, any piece of content out there, I think makes a difference, right? Like, all these content creators, you might be making videos, podcast articles for a group of 10 people. Like, 
for those 10 people that can mean that can make the difference. Right. But it's using these tools to, to connect that content to those people. That's so important. Um, and just, just a few random questions. Uh, Mike, could you tell me the inspiration of the name dash 28? Cause I've always wondered that. And I figured this would be a great time to ask. <laughs> totally happy to tell the story in brief. So we, so Jake, you know, gathered a, a group of like-minded individuals together uh, to, to try to build this thing. And, and when you're just starting out, like, you're trying to hammer out the details and you're trying to make decisions by committee. And it, and it came time to be, to be like, okay, so we kind of know what we want to build. What are we going to call it? And people threw out a lot of suggestions and they were, were kind of long and kind of generic fantasy sounding things like uh, the King's Mead Hall or the, you know, stuff like that. And I was like, those are long. And I thought about like websites that I thought had clever names like slash dot or Daka Daka. Uh, and, and it's, and it was sites like that where I was like, if you know what that means, you know exactly what it means. It's like a little in-joke almost. And I happened to be painting a legion of zombies at the time for my undead army. And so I was like, Dash 28, that's the highest nerve value in the game. And I'm like, it's a fearless legion. That's us. That's totally the Kings of War community. We are we are Dash 28. So I kind of pitched it. And and at first, everybody was like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> Well, there may, there may have been some concern that maybe Mantic would change it and maybe it's no longer the highest nerd, right. right? Which is why I registered Dash 29 just in case. But but yeah, like once I once I pitched it as like, it's an in-joke for, for the game. It's a stat that people recognize. It's easy to say. It's short. It's memorable. And it's also got this other cool meaning of like it describes the community in a way as well. Then people kind of got on board with it. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. That's really cool. And then I also just have a really random question for all of you guys. So, and whoever can start, what is your preferred form of Kings of War content? Like video, podcast, written, just if you had to choose one, what would it be? I do like YouTube. I mean, I love the bat reps that Paul's putting out. You know, I, I think bat reps are great. That's probably my, my favorite uh, thing to watch. Yeah, for me, it depends on what I'm doing. Um, if I'm painting, I like a, a full game that's going on in the background that I can yeah, hear people when they're yelling and screaming when something's happening, just rewind it, um, you know, as I'm painting miniatures. If um, I'm like sitting on the loo, then you know, I want to read. A, I want to read a story. Um, if I'm somewhere else, it might just be um, something like uh, Steve from uh, was it Death. By Dragon. Dragon, Steve Hildrew. Yeah, yeah, Steve Hildrew, stuff that he was putting out, you know, more summarized things, but, you know, it, it, how much effort do you want to put into making the uh, creations, which I think comes down for Drew that was doing um, uh, King's Retreat. He did so much work and so much high production value that I think it burnt out. Yeah, I think I think I'm right there with with Paul in that it depends on the context. Because if I'm if I'm driving somewhere or if I'm out like doing yard work, mowing lawn, whatever, like podcasts, 100%. That's that's when I burn through podcasts. Painting, I kind of like having bat reps up, kind of because because I kind of like having something to glance over every once in a while. You can you can mostly follow it just by listening to it, but every once in a while you want to look over it and see what's going on. See, so yeah, I think those are my yeah for the guy who's running the text content site. Here I am saying like, no, podcast and video are awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but again, you know, it's 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 context when you're sitting down to read something. But that's when I like to do it. But I feel like I have more opportunities to like just sort of easily and passively consume the the voice and the and the video channels. Yeah, I think my I think mine's pretty similar to to yours, Mike and Paul. As you know, when I'm when I'm painting, I love battle reports. Battle reports are they're so fascinating to me, honestly. And the King's Retreat, the production value was insane. Like I I, I loved having those. 
and then you know driving to work in the car road trip podcast comes in or doing housework when you have the airpods in but i've actually found and i, I didn't used to consume a lot of written content before specifically for kings of war you know I, I i do read on occasion but i found the value in the written content is when and i hope nobody's listening from work is when i'm at work right when i'm sitting at my desk eating lunch in between people walking into my office and i can read a few minutes you know instead of having to put the air airpod in and hit play and pause and completely lose track of it but yeah i think i equally consume like all forms of content for king's war anything nerdy i'm game honestly well that's awesome that's awesome well let's get in let's go around and talk uh, hobby updates mike what have you been working on oh man so i am i'm coming out of my hobby funk I, I hadn't really painted much during the pandemic because I've been doing other stuff. And I'd been thinking about playing Forza of the Nature because um, they did nerf air elementals and they're really good, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, look, it's a community service, okay? When I decide to play a broken unit, it gets nerfed 100% of the, of the time. I have a 100% track record. Every unit that I rely on ends up getting nerfed. It happened to Tortured Souls. It happened to Soul Reavers. And now for all of you... I am going to get greater air elementals nerfed by using them, okay? so the public service. Thank you. That's right. I am here for you. I've been wanting to do that, but I find elemental models really uninspiring. Like, they're all just kind of thing with arms, right? It's like a water elemental is a wave with arms, and an air elemental is a tornado with arms, and a fire elemental is a bonfire with arms. I'm like, come on, we could put a little more thought into this, guys. So yeah, I just, I, I could never get started on it. But then I found a sculptor who had done a Kickstarter and did a bunch of different sculpts of all the different types of D&D giants. So I'm going to print up those and paint them and have a giant themed Forces of the Nature Army with, you know, fire giants and storm giants and stone giants instead of just the standard elemental model. So that's what I'm currently working on. Hope to have it done in time for pilgrimage. You know, might not because I'm a little rusty on painting. If not, it'll be, you know, the first tournament after mine in, in April that I go to. I'll probably have it done by then. Paul, same question to you. What are you working on hobby-wise? Too many things at once, but the usual problem. Um, I'm about halfway through a, a dwarf army that I'm putting together. Painted about half of it. Also, I had just finished working on the English translation of the Kings of War historical um, translation for Kings of War. And I have a, a Roman army, which I've done a test unit for, which I'm dying to finish off uh, and get that into some casual games as well. As well as, you know, some uh, 3D printing up some... 15 millimeter uh, Romans and Carthaginians to play Kings of War historical, you know, and the more work on the stream. Yeah. That's something I need to get back to. I love Kings of War at small scale, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and we've had lots of content many years ago and I have lots of 10 millimeter, 12 mil well, war masters, more 12. Master, yeah. 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 And so I, I love it. Now the problem was trying to find all those cool models, right? Cause online, War metal, more master models. You may be buying gold at that point, you know, some mm -hmm. of those models, but it's just such a fun scale. Even if you don't change the rules, which we didn't, you still play on mm -hmm. six by four. You mm -hmm. just have a 20, you know, 15,000 point army. The scale of the game just goes up, you know, and certainly it loses some of its tacticalness when you don't change the rules. Cause obviously the pivoting and stuff is a little wild. It's, it's an impressive site. Uh, for me, I'm not even going to bother. I'm painting salamanders. That's what I, that's what I've been doing for the last month. So I'll be painting for the next two months. Hopefully get it done in time for a depth gun. How about you, buddy? Undead, undead, undead. Yeah, I'm still hacking away at my uh, my undead army project. And I'm running into the issue where, you know, if I was just focused on so I'm, I'm bringing undead to uh, a if I was just focused on the army list that I was bringing, 
I wouldn't be so stressed out about it. It's it's good stress though, right? It's like the motivation I need to actually do it. But I'm working on, and I was telling Rob this the other day, I have 7,500 total points of undead that I'm trying to finish like all at once. So it's a huge project, but I'm I'm having a lot of fun with it. I'm in the building stages now. So I rebased all my old stuff, painted some of the older models I have. And now I'm actually opening the new boxes, getting it built, and then getting ready to batch paint. But I have about... 60 total models left so it's, it's i feel like that's actually not that much you know when you paint 100 zombies 60 like larger uh scale like large infantry stuff isn't that bad so we'll, we'll get it done though i mean it's not even february yet so got plenty of time you got till the end of march <laughs> well let's do some announcements mike you do have an event coming up right i do and i would love to announce it but I, it is already full i sold out in nine hours all 28 spots and i've got i've got five people on the wait list and i'm trying to see if I can geometry any more tables into my basement, but I don't think that I can. <laughs> good problem to have. It's a good problem to have. It's a good problem to have. Champagne problems. Paul, you just upgraded all your equipment. Yeah, yeah. Once I brought some of the gear from um, Drew, I found that my laptop just could not handle what I was trying to throw at it. So went and you know, did the whole new egg purchase and got a whole bunch in, got it in. And uh, this morning did our first stream uh, coming back. I had one minor hiccup, um, noticed that I need uh, more lighting and uh, we're back to regular streaming now. It's fantastic. It's going to look great, but I'm sure with that new, with that new high end stuff, there's more challenges. Uh, it's, you know what? It's not too bad. The the always the biggest problem. Uh, I'm sure Mike. It sounds like you've worked in IT. Um, is uh, stable operating systems. Um, so I've switched over from Windows to Linux, and that brings its own set of challenges. Um, you know, little bits and pieces getting them going. Generally, things are, are quite a bit better for producing streams um, if you're using OBS anyway on Linux. And uh, yeah, just another reminder. You know, Adepticon 2023 is March 22nd to the 26th. Uh, registration is open. Adepta Clash right now is capacity's full, but that was only for 30 tickets. Um, so if you're interested in playing and you did not get registered initially, please, 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 for any Mantic events, get on the wait list. So that way, um, that way everybody that Mantic could come back and ask like, hey, you know, we sold out these 30 seats. We have 40 people on the wait list. Give us more space. And that way we can get more tickets for everybody in the community. Well, let's take a quick commercial break. On the other side, we'll get back into our main topic, online community building. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Mike Rossi, fourth Mike on the Unplugged Radio podcast, Dash 28 contributor, giant nobody, Oscar the Grouch lookalike, and you're listening to Countercharge. Welcome back to Countercharge, and now let's get into the main event. We're going to talk about online community building. Maybe the place to start here is... What are the advantages of an online community? So for me personally, right, I'm going to look at this through my own personal experience. As somebody, I have uh, I moved, right? So I was uh, my first big boy job was I was in the Army, um, and my wife was also in the Army. So we moved around a lot. Uh, me and my wife have been married for, it'll be seven years this summer, and last July was our sixth move. So we averaged about moving once a year for the last six years. and as it's very hard to to keep up with a uh, with a game like that, especially a game that you have to play in person, because you know if let's uh, compare it to video games, like if you want to get on and play a game of Rocket League or maybe play some World of Warcraft with your clan or something like that, all you have to do is log on, get in the queue for about five seconds, and you're into a game. 
But when it comes to a physical game where you want to play in person, like tabletop wargaming, Kings of War, anything like that, it takes that extra effort to to organize. Like, I want to meet somebody at the at the uh, game shop, but we both have to be free. Um, and I think online communities allow war gamers uh, to bridge that gap and make uh, you know make connections with our fellow nerds a little bit easier. So it's a little bit easier to find that game, a little bit easier to make friends, find the local tournaments, find the in-person events that are so important um, in you know playing a war game. I remember when I when I moved across the country to California and had to start over again because I had been playing in a in a very established club near DC for a long time at a store. We had two regular nights a week to play uh, Warhammer Fantasy back then. And and then I moved out to the San Francisco Bay Area and you know, I was like, Well surely it's Silicon Valley. I should just be able to Google search for where people play Kings of War or not even Kings of War, just Warhammer Fantasy out here and like kinda couldn't find anything. So I fell back to like the old school way of doing it of well, I'm going to drive around to every store that sells hobby products and walk in and like look for the cork board, right? Like look or or like ask the guy behind the counter, like what night is your wargaming night? Do you have tables that, and that kind of thing? And in doing that, on on like my fourth try, I finally found a store that was like, oh yeah, there's one night where where dudes come in and play 40k, and there's a couple of people playing fantasy, and I was like, well, it's a start. That's where I'm going to start. So I showed up to that and you know talked them into like, well, let's just let's just form a club. Let's like make a Facebook group. Let's like post events, let's post stuff in like whatever the, the store has online and just, just put it out there and see what happens. And over the several years that I, that I lived there, like it grew, it, it, it grew slower than I thought. So like, I definitely feel Jeremy's pain in trying to like build a gaming community out there in that area. I don't know why it's so difficult because there's so many, uh, you know, not, not to be derogatory, but like it's full of nerds. It's Silicon Valley. Um, and there are a lot of people that play games, but I think there are just people who play so many different games. It's hard to get them to commit to any one. Um, I think was, was my experience, but yeah, that, that advantage of just, we put it out there. It's discoverable. People don't have to go through the same thing as me where I was like, well, I'm here and, uh, I'm determined. So I'm going to go to stores until I find somebody like, then people don't have to do that legwork anymore. They can just easily find us and just show up on the night and meet us and say hi. So, so I think like discoverability is huge. The persistence of it, you know, uh, people people can find it. You don't have to be in the store all the time, like to catch that that one dude who who comes in and asks, like, you know, the person by the counter can just be like, "Well, check out our 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 forum, check out our Facebook page. There are dudes on there. Just post on there and ask, and one of them will respond, and they'll set something up with you." So yeah, I think it's about. I think that's that's kind of the, the big advantage. I find that one of the main advantages of having the the Facebook group is that uh, people posting their hobby progress and their pictures tends to drive other people making effort and uh, showing that their community is locally is vibrant. They might show up at the game store, not really see anybody, but um, you know, see magic players and and smell the magic funk, and uh, so you know actually being able to see people you know their progress work on what they're doing what they're building um, outside of the game um, and from at home and their leisure um, motivates them to get involved yeah totally that that level of activity is there all the time mm-hmm. yeah slow burn yep yeah yeah and for us you know obviously we had a podcast before we had the facebook page but you know the an online community, like we said earlier, it kind of lets you cast a very wide net. Uh, and what I have found, especially on our, on our Facebook page, typically we're getting like-minded people, people that are like us, that, that listen to our show, but but have the same sensibilities. We don't have a lot of trolls on our, on our page, really. 
podcast is an online endeavor, right? That's how it's how we send it out. And so it just made sense to just, you know, obviously, you know, you, you podcasters could use Podbean, iTunes, whatever, but it just made sense to have that Facebook page. And there's a lot of advantages to it, right? It allows us to have a conversation, uh, a discussion, and, you know, we're going to get into it. It doesn't have to be Facebook. There's lots of ways to do that. Online communities are, 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 are sort of everywhere now and you sort of can't get away from them. And and you guys are a great example of using a tool that's primarily used to build an audience like a podcast uh, and then pivoting that into, well, everyone who's listening to us all have a common interest. If we just gave them a way to talk to each other without having to go through us first, then we would immediately have a community. And, and there you go. Before the Facebook page, everybody that's listening, that wants to keep our podcast is listening to us. Right. You know, that we added the Facebook page and then it like, it expanded it even further because now it pulled in, like I said, it, 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 it casts a wider net because if you're just on iTunes, right. People might not be looking there. Right. But maybe people are because I'm, you know, one of the, one of the realities of King, Kings of war online communities are a lot of them take place on Facebook. And so you get a lot of eyeballs there. And so, yeah, it's, it's kind of, and, and I feel like we're, we're going to touch on like picking the right tool for the right job a little bit later, but like established platforms that already have, Tons and tons of people with accounts. Like every bit of friction you can reduce to get people in and engaged is a big one. So like no learning curve because they already use it. No account to create because they already have one Like are huge. Exactly. And we're going to talk about, you know, Facebook and YouTube and the, the ones that are like so, so preeminent is because they already had a huge population already using it and it's easier to, to pivot. Right. And so, oh, you guys are already there. We can be there too. Maybe one of the things we can touch on a little bit is, you know, when we say online community, what do we mean? Well, I hate to be pedantic, but it's, it really is just a community that's on the internet, right? I mean, that's, that's essentially what we're saying, right? Hold on, Rob. Let's, let's do this the correct way. Merriam-Webster's Dictionary defines a community as a group of people living in the same place or, or having a particular characteristic in common. Okay, so we don't all live in the same place. Right, so we're, so we're the latter part. Right? Yeah, we're, we're yeah. the latter part. <laughs> Most of us are nerds, and we all share this common passion for Mantic games or maybe maybe Kings of War specific. Uh, and then obviously the online piece, it just you're on a computer network. There are similarities between a physical community right? Where you go to the game store and, and an online community, but there's also lots of differences as well. The main differences are the tools that you use. You know, maybe that's a good place for us to jump into next, which is, you know, the tools. And we got a bunch of them here. And, and uh, Trent, do you want to kind of walk us through some of these? As we get to each one, you know, we've got some examples for Kings of War. Uh, we could maybe go into a little bit more discussion. And, and I, I think maybe it'd probably be worthwhile pros and cons of some of these. It's like Mike said earlier, you got to use the right tool for the job. Some of these tools are great at one thing and not great at others. What you're going to find is the best online communities, they have a multi-tool right. <laughs> deployment. It's a combination. Yeah, so I think the first um online tool and this might be uh this might be a little old school for any millennials out there like me, not to age you guys, but forums, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'll, I'll go back even further. The uh, dial-up bulletin board Dial-up BBS, baby. Uh, me too as well. <laughs> Playing some months and stuff. Yep. Yeah. Uh -huh. still love Using it. Trade Wars. Yeah, yeah. It's always fun to watch like the next big thing come along and you look at it and it's like, okay, have we rewritten Usenet or IRC this time? Because everything is just one of those two yep. all over again. But like dedicated forums are, you know, again, hold a very special place in my heart because I administrated one of those for a long time coming out of college, but they tend to be kind of low on discoverability. 
because people have to know where to look for them or know how to like use a, gen- a generic search engine to find them. And if it's a smaller site, it's not going to be up in the search rankings. And there's also a lot of friction to get involved because it's a standalone thing. People have to make an account and have to remember to go back and check it. Like it doesn't have that, that gravity that larger existing platforms have where there's lots of activity. So like I love them. I, I wish they were a better fit these days, but I feel like there are a lot of better tools out there and these days. Not to mention for doing this the- administrative effort you have to make in if you're running the infrastructure mm-hmm. uh, behind Absolutely. something like that. Fred does yeoman's work with the Kings of War forums. I mean, he does. it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it was so much work that Mantic dropped because Mantic Games used to have forums. And even and even GW at one point had their own forums, but both said, this is this is too much effort. You know, there are some things that forums do well. One of the things I, I wish Facebook did better of is structure. Yeah, the structure, more, more like a hierarchy, a table of contents kind of thing. Which, yep. which is great. It really, those discussions get categorized and put in the right buckets. All the questions of like, is there a group to talk about this army? Like, but when you can just look at it and see the list of all the armies, like that's the sub forum mm. for it there, right? So like, yeah, you as the administrator being able to like break up the topics and, and conversation and put it all on a menu for people is, you're absolutely correct. Definitely one of the, the big strengths of a forum. All the links will be in the show notes, but the Kings of War forum is active. May not mm-hmm. be as active as, as as Facebook, but in some ways, I think you you're going to find maybe some different people there that you would there, there's because there's some people that don't use Facebook, for example. I'd love to drop it. We'll get to Facebook, but it's sort of like that's just what everybody's using with all its warts, right? I just we, we sort of just roll with the punches. The next category is kind of tied to forums, but we're, we're calling them discussion sites. These are things like Reddit. Does like does, does, does Discord go here? I would put Discord down with chat because I think Discord is at its heart like IRC with voice and video added. It's it's that model of like synchronous by default, which I think is like the big like course division here is like, is it a synchronous by default or an asynchronous by default? So so like somewhere up here in these, like you could probably put mailing lists because they are also asynchronous by default, similar to a forum or a discussion site. Mailing lists over the years, I, I, I don't know if you guys played Warhammer, the Direwolf mailing list was a huge when we were playing Warhammer, that's that's how we got our news. Yep. And and again, like lowest common denominator, if you try to get a bunch of people together and somebody uses one thing, somebody uses another, somebody's dead set against something, you get all the way down to it, you're like, okay, do you all have either an email address or a phone number? Because I'm either emailing you all or I'm texting all of you. Take your pick. They are the lowest common denominator. And sometimes if that's what you got to fall back to to get people involved, then do it, right? Now, I know there is a Reddit for Kings of War. I don't particularly use it. I mean, does any any of you guys have any of you guys used the, the Kings of War Reddit? I don't think it was the specific Kings of War subreddit. I actually don't even remember where it was. So I started Kings of War in 2020 in Texas, and then I immediately moved like six months later. So I moved to Georgia, and there wasn't really like where I was. I couldn't find a scene, um, and I was having a really hard time because you know sometimes when you do Facebook searches, it only does like local stuff. Like you don't actually see the whole Facebook network. I was having a really hard time finding people in my area. So I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe, maybe because I, I use Reddit, like maybe I'll, I'll try it. And I made a post on there um, and somebody replied to that post and directed me to a Facebook page. So it's, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, it's, it's got a, a bit of a, a broader reach maybe. 
it's definitely a powerful tool, but I think in Reddit, you really have to get into the weeds. Like you got to like, okay, I got to type these keywords in. I got to be in this subreddit and this subform or anything like that. But it's got a lot of information out there. So I think it is a powerful tool to add to the online community arsenal. And we'll add a link to the Reddit. It's got a good size existing user base. It is fairly discoverable because like you say, like I use Reddit sometimes. Let's go see if there are Kings of War people on Reddit. So, you know, again, I think in this day and age, they probably would work a little better than dedicated forums, but I don't know that you would want to make like a local Reddit, like, like subreddit for your, for your club or for your store or anything like that. Unless the store has already made one. I'm looking at this list of stuff. Some of these tools kind of blur the lines. Are are they this or are they that? And so it, it's really hard to, like the like Facebook, it's hard to say Facebook is only one thing. It's 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 all of, in some cases all of these things. But you know we have content sharing platforms, and, and we'll put obviously YouTube in this bucket because it's its primary focus to share content. You obviously YouTube is for vi- for videos, and then there's as many methods to release a podcast you could think of. You know Spotify's and Podbean, all that. In essence, they're designed to be a delivery tool for your content. The better ones like YouTube are giving you a way to communicate where people give, you know, they watch the video and I'm sure Paul, you can chat on this, but they give you, you put out your video and here's, here's comments from the, the people that watched it. YouTube's been great for, you know, just disseminating the content, not so much good for community building beyond getting people interested in the game and uh, stuff like that. I would throw Twitch onto this list as well. Cause again, that's a, I'm, I'm publishing content and building an audience and if your if your goal is to try to build an audience and then pivot it into a community, then it is a it is a starting point. Yeah, live streaming is is all the rage right now. Yeah, there's a lot of live streaming. We get to the one of the bigger buckets, which is we, we're going to say social media, but we're talking Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and again, these are content sharing platforms as well. They are some discussion. You know, it's it's hard to put in a bucket or, or, or to make it one thing, but. You know, Mike, I mean, Facebook is the, for Kings of War. It is the juggernaut uh, of tools that have been uh, that, have, that, are, that are being used by our Kings of War online community. Uh, yeah, because, you know, when when the big pivot happened, that was the predominant place for people to be online at the time. So that was, again, discoverability, very high friction, very low. You make a Facebook group, you call it something with Kings of War in the name. You post that on Fanatics and say, hey, I made another group for this store club. City, state, region, country, tournaments, people will will show up for it. And when you talk about how it kind of blurs the line, like way back in the day when I first started, there was still in like 2010 uh, working at Facebook, there was a lot of discussion of, of like people trying to figure out how to label Facebook and Twitter and like, what do we call them? We call them social media. What does that really mean? Um, and to us, uh, at least internally, when we said social media, our point of view on it was that social media is an effort to reorganize the internet around people instead of documents. Because up until then, like everything was very search focused. It was very domain. It was very, I find this page, you know, it was built by academics who were trying to organize and index information. Google obviously makes that their mission statement of I'm I'm here to analyze and index all the world's information so everybody can find it. Um, And that, that led to an internet that tended to be organized in that manner. And we were like, well, that's cool. But People have organized the world around people, right? Like we, we organized the world around communities, around groups of people and communities of people and shared interests and, you know, tribe, town, city, city, state, nation, continent, right? Like, like that's, that's how we tend to think of, of, um, the world, right? We, we, we tend to view the world as different 
different sized groups of people or people with different interests, either aligning with ours or opposing to ours. So, so for us, it was, can we take the internet and turn it so that it's focused around people and everything is organized and built around people. And so I think that might be why uh, people have a little bit of trouble. Like how exactly do you categorize it? Well, you can do the sort of things that you do on Twitter where you, you put out, uh, you know, content for people to consume, but maybe you're just, just using it to talk to very close friends or family, or maybe you're mostly using it for chat at the same time. You can host communities there. You can have a page for a business and like all of them can kind of interact. So, so yeah, like the, the underlying plan for Facebook was always like, we're not trying to be an online social network. We're trying to be an online representation of how the world is already organized. Uh, and that's around people. And I think that that's why it resonated with so many people and got as big as it did and has been as successful as it has. You know, warts and all, you can't have half the planet on one platform and not have some problems. But, you know, I'm still a big fan and I think it's still a, a great place to try to host a community. Well, we should mention it's where most of the online community discussion meeting happens, right? So obviously the big one is Kings of War Fanatics, which with all its warts, you know, in, in general, it's, I think it's organically evolved uh, over the last few years. It's not as, it used to be more caustic and there was a lot more trolls. And, and I don't know, Paul, we were having this off air, you know, the, the, the notion of, Hey, you kind of have to be cool to play this game, you know, in the sense that mm-hmm. you got to be someone that I want to hang out with to play this game. Is it because we're a, 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 an older community? Exceptionalism. I feel like no matter what, every large community needs the public square. And no matter where you put the public square online, it's going to be kind of chaotic. And like the use cases for a 12,000 person plus global public forum, right? Aren't like, you can't have, I, I, I think you guys have called them like detailed and nuanced conversations. Like there are too many people to do that. But if you took that same group of people and you put them on a discord server, it would probably be worse. If you took those same people and put them on a mailing list, it would be just as bad. If you put them on a dedicated forum, like it would still be a complete show because, but you still have to have the, the chaotic swirling public square where a new person can wander in and ask for directions. And someone will point them like, you actually want that house over there. For all its warts, I think it really does serve a purpose. And I do think you're right, Rob, that like some, some community pressure of like, this is the culture we want Kings of War to have. Cause we talk a lot about community and in my mind, like a community is a group of people, but Kings of War also has a great culture and a community like the people will change over time. Like you, some, some people will go off and do other things. You'll get new people in. Uh, and I think we as the existing community have to be really cognizant of like imparting the culture to new people as they come in and letting, letting them know what we're about. And like, that's the thing that, that you can keep constant in the long term. Like if you can keep a positive culture, a constant for a very long time, uh, then you have done something because that is not easy to do at all. I think uh, one of the issues with, um, you know, so much thing, so many things being online is that people don't develop those social skills and know how to behave uh, interacting with each other without um, doing it in a combative manner. And I think for the most part, because of the age of most of the players at Kings of War, we suffer less of that than what some communities do. And you bring up a great point. The whole point of this series is to build really at the heart to get your local community to jump started, right? In our first episode, we talked about player engagement, what you could do individually to to really help. And then second episode, it was really about, all right, you have this group of engaged players locally. What could you do to leverage them into a, a group? This is just another tool in your tool belt, right? Online communities. We're going to talk at the end here about how you can use the online communities to support your local endeavor. It, it's interesting though, Paul. Sometimes I do dabble in other things 
and I'm just glad we're in Kings of War. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when you go outside the, the the safe confines, it's like, whoa. Look at some other games, and you read like one thread. It's like, oh, glad I don't play that game anymore. Exactly. You know, and, and Mike, I love your description of it as a public square. I think that's amazing because you know, essentially, that is where a lot of people find the online Kings of War community at first. Is they do a search and. Of course, 12,000 people, yeah, that group is going to pop up. And then from there, what are you interested in? It's almost like they're the uh, the the old school telephone operator, and they're going to connect you to the right person. Can I direct your call? Yeah. It's got warts, but it still serves a purpose. It's still the first place that lots of people wander into. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't know, Twitter and Instagram, you know, I don't. Like, I don't use those, but I, I don't know how much of a, a presence that King's War has other than, hey, here's the new podcast. Here's the new YouTube battle report. I don't know how much actual discussion is going on. I think most of it is on Facebook. Uh, both Twitter and Instagram are a little more like content platforms. A lot of what's there are, are people trying to promote something like either themselves or events or whatever, like a, a viewpoint. So like it. It feels like less, uh, you know, back and forth discussion amongst people who know each other, and more like people posing and posturing. And uh, yeah, you know, it's 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 a good way to like get the message out there. But I don't think it's necessarily where a community lives. And that brings us to the last bucket. It's probably there's probably some that we missed, but you know, the last bucket I'm saying messenger slash chat functions, right? Like we got Facebook Messenger. Uh, there's the WhatsApp app that I know the guys in Malaysia may use. First of all, Mike, when I read you, when you said IRC, I was like, internet relay chat? I mean, you're old. <laughs> that's what I thought. I was like, because I mean, that's old school. How I met my wife. See? Hey, I got I to gotta be the one to ask, guys. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> so back in the day, before Discord existed, there was this thing called IRC, which was basically Discord without voice and video channels. And instead of it being run by a company, it was software that you installed and ran a server yourself. But you still connected to servers. Those servers still had channels. And you chatted, and the channels had bots. Yeah, so it, it, it stood for Internet Relay Chat, unless I'm forgetting. It's like it, it existed pre-Windows uh, 95, you know, back in really back in the old days. Still in use. I'm I'm happy to say that that when I left Facebook, there was still a Facebook internal IRC server that was like operations' last line of defense when like everything else was broken and there was no way for us to coordinate and talk to each other and get things working again. IRC. 100% stable, always available. Mm-hmm. That's how it got done. I guess we're lumping Discord, you know, kind of into the, because it has a lot of the same, there's some similarity there. But in Discord, you know, is a, I won't say it's, well, it's certainly not as popular as Facebook, uh, but it's it's interesting because I, I think in some, in, some, in some instances, I think it may be better than Facebook. Less advertising. Yeah, well, that's true. There's less advertising. It almost gives you that forum level of detail. Like, okay, this channel for this. You know, that's how we do our, our counter charge after dark. So when people are painting, they jump on and then there's there's actually a chat, you know, that or, or video if they wanted to. There's lots of different Discord channels, but I know we have one and there's you know, Kings of War and, and various other channels. And I know there's a lot of local groups like the Southeast Michigan guys, they use they use Discord. And so I, I know locally we use Discord for our gaming store. So War Room Hobbies here in Memphis has a Discord and it's got, you know, all of the gaming communities that it represents like Kings of War and 40K. They all have their own channel. And so that's how we coordinate who's coming Saturday to play and who's playing who. To your point, Paul, it, it has less of the not even just advertisement, just less of the clutter and overhead that some of the other platforms have. It's direct and to the point. I jump on Discord, I go to the I go to War Rooms Hobbies, and I click on Kings of War, 
and there it is. Like there it is. I don't have to like scroll through a bunch of messages, right? Yeah, Facebook's more like a fire hose. You know, you're getting drowned in so many messages, whereas Discord, you're more selective. Looking at these, right? So we're in the messenger bucket, and we have a few different tools in that bucket. I think a lot of it, like when you're choo- if you're looking, you know, if you have a community that you want to build or, or to to expand upon, I think you have to ask yourself like the scale of what you're doing. So is it going to be? A, is it fanatics? You know, is it twelve thousand members? Is it uh, is it countercharge? Is it like fifteen hundred members? Maybe it's your local play group. Like you know, for me, my local play group here in Germany, there's uh, there's probably ten people in there. Um, maybe five to six of us that like play on a regular monthly basis. We use WhatsApp and it's perfect for us. But you know, if there was fifty of us, maybe we would have to use Discord so we could have those categorized channels to 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 drill it down, and we're not all getting blown up with you know a hundred messages a day. So that's also something to keep in mind. Granular control. Yeah, exactly. It's very engaging, very real time, secretist by default. But like you say, has some trouble scaling up. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, direct chat uh, programs like Messenger, or WhatsApp, or like Telegram. I know some folks around here use Telegram. Are super engaging for a small audience. As it gets bigger, it starts getting kind of noisy. Discord manages it a little better, but like Discord also has a cap where you get several thousand people on a Discord server, and you know. You don't check it for a day and you come back and there's a hundred plus messages and eight different channels. And you're like, well, I'm not going back and looking at those. I'm just marking them all red and I'm going on. And I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm in so many Discord servers that I've just muted because they move faster than I, than I want to be there consuming it. So yeah, for like the right sized community, Discord is, is actually really good. You, you bring up a good point there, Mike, that maybe that, that kind of makes me think too that, you know, these messenger apps, that's like real time, it feels like, right? You're like, boom, boom. And, but I don't know about you guys, but once that group becomes to the point where I'm just getting hit with bing, 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 I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm out, guys. This is There's too many people in this group to make it effective for communication. It's just spam at that point. Too much noise. Too much noise. And that's when you have to look for something that handles that amount of traffic and that, that scale better. So that's, that's kind of what I was saying earlier. Like It's a fine line to walk of busy enough to stay vibrant, but not crowded and cluttered but also not swinging the other way to be deserted because you know you also end up in that problem of like nobody goes there anymore it's too crowded so lots of lots of places have kind of like gotten a whole bunch of people it hasn't worked out well so then people kind of stopped checking it and then it turned into a ghost town yeah so just like being being aware of like how big is your community going to get how well is it going to scale up but like absolutely facebook messenger like that is where we do all of our discussion for for dash 28 articles like that's that's where the community for authors lives just a little chat thread and there's only a dozen or so of us so it's not too busy but it's enough that there's you know regular in, engaging discussion in there and that's why i think is interesting is that you know when we t- during this conversation we're saying here's a bunch of tools if you are trying to build a community you're going to leverage whatever tools you need for each individual like oh today i'm i'm going to be turning a screw so i need a screwdriver tomorrow i'm gonna hit a nail and so you'll have multiple tools in your tool belt you know for countercharge we obviously have squarespace is our our is our rss provider right in in our blog if you will and then we have facebook to have more of that engaging conversation with the with the uh, with the audience you know facebook messenger that's how we coordinate who's going to be on the show the topics and that, and because that's you know, four or five people and, and you can have a very nice little conversation. I can drop links in there and stuff. So it, it's, in, it's interesting that you, you kind of have to have a, a diversified multi-tool approach, you know, I think to be effective in today's society. Trent, something you said resonated was that, you know, kind of, you mentioned scale, but what is the goal of what you're trying to accomplish? And I think that is going to dictate 
or inform your decision in, in terms of which tool. And Mike, you mentioned, you know, there's a big difference between building an audience or building a community like from scratch, like, or taking an existing audience and turning that into a community. So, you know, guys, what tools would you leverage if you're trying to build a community from scratch? So you don't have anything. What are the tools that you try to leverage? Well, for me, my first thing is the cork board at the local gaming store. And I think missing, uh, not using that is uh, missing um, an opportunity for a lot of those. You know, everybody thinks that, okay, everything's online. But as I said, searchability, if you can't find it in the first place, it's difficult, it's difficult to locate. If you've got, you know, a little card on a cork board at a gaming store saying, go to this Facebook group, people can find it. So start, start the old analog way at your local gaming stores and uh, then just, you know, make your, your local area Facebook groups. This is probably the easiest approach. Man, Paul, that is that's a great idea. That's like an an old school take on linking Facebook up, right? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times, if you're in a brand new city and you want to start a small group, you have no idea where to go, and you know you might make your Facebook page, but you're going to have one member. There's no way nobody's mm-hmm. going to anybody's going to find you. It's literally as simple as a business card in the local game store. I, I I like that. I'm going to put that in my back pocket the next time I move. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what six months away. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Yeah. If your goal is a local community to play with, starting at the store in person, and then like, does the store have an online community tool somewhere already? Let me just go like piggyback right on that uh, or make something and, and direct people to it. Um, yeah, Facebook is a great way to do it. Um, making like, and if, if you're okay putting like a throwaway email address out there, if you, if you don't want to direct people to Facebook, be like, hey, if you're interested, come here or talk to the store about like what night can we try to come by and get here and try to establish a regular game night and then, and then try to get people once you have them in person. But like, yeah, definitely starting with, start with the watering hole, right? The watering hole approach. I'm going to take out where I know the prey is going to come eventually. And that's the gaming store. Well, we don't have a cork board. Well, we do have a cork board, but we also have a giant calendar on the wall. Right. And we work with our person at the store and they say, okay, Wednesday nights is going to be Kings of War night. It's on the calendar. People can come in and go, Oh, if I show up here at six o'clock on Wednesdays, there's going to be someone here to show me the game, probably get me a game in uh, if I'm already playing. And, and and that's the, you know, I think, Paul, the, the big thing here is that you got to have that first connection, right? You get that's mm-hmm. once you've got that connection. Yes, you can do the, the you can do Facebook and you can do all the other tools, but you got to make that first connection. That's the hardest part, because if I mean, there's two type of two, two type of people you'll end up playing with. There's people that are looking for you. Well, they're going to find you if, if you're doing those things. But there's also the people that don't know yet how great Kings of War is. And once they see it, you're like, they're like, their eyes get big and they go, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing game I've ever played. Like we're not arguing. The rules are clean. They get out of all the things we talk about. You know, someone told me one time, this is a complete uh, segue, but (laughs) I was at a convention and he goes, you don't need to worry about the faithful. They're already here. It's everybody else. And to me, that's, that's like with counter charge. That's what I'm trying. That's what we're trying to reach. The people that are already in on Kings of War, great. We have content for you. But I also want to connect with the people that don't yet know. And they don't know they don't know. They don't know that they don't know how great this, number one, the game is, but also how awesome the community is. I know this episode is focused on the online community, but can we just talk about how important it is to have like a good relationship with your friendly local gaming store and how important it is to play the you know Kings of War in the store because of what you said, Rob, you know, you get those people who never, maybe never heard of Meta Games, maybe have, you know, are wargaming, but haven't heard of Kings of War. 
like when I was playing back in Colorado with uh, Garrett Mercier and Tyler Schultz, we would play at one of our uh, game stores a lot. There were a few in, in the area, so we would alternate back and forth. But there was one store, and I can't remember the name of it. Maybe it was J&J Hobbies. It was J&J Hobbies in Colorado Springs. We would always have a table outside of the room where the 40K players would play, right? And it never failed every time we played. The forty one of the forty k players at least would like be walking back to the room and they'd be kind of like do a double take and then back up and be like hey uh what, what is this over here and we talked to him for like an hour and there were a few people who got into the game from that so I think that's an important way to to get exposure too right these tools are about making connections right how do I connect with the people that are looking for me or us and, and how do I make the connection to people that we think will like the game. Sometimes that connection is not an actual tool. It's just I'm playing the game in public yeah, yeah. and I'm and they're walking by or I'm at a gaming convention and I'm doing demos of Kings of War. So. But making that connection and then having a like, hey, go check out this Facebook page and staying connected yep. after that initial connection. I think that's where, what we're talking about now, basically. Do not let them get away. <laughs> Invite them to something right there. Take their phone out of their hands. Press the button to join the group here, right? Give it back to them. <laughs> Business 101, it's cheaper to keep the customers you already have than to go get new ones. And it's same adage here. If you've got people in your community, keep them engaged, keep them, you know, keep them involved, they'll typically stick around. Now, there is going to be attrition, and you hope that the new bodies coming in are more than the people that you're losing through attrition. Once you make that connection, you, you got to sustain it. And, you know, and maybe that's a good segue to, you know, what, what if you're trying to build an audience, Paul? What tools are you looking like? Okay, this community might come later, but right now I've, I've got something to say, whether that's you know uh, an audio format or a video format or the written essay. What tools are you leveraging for that? Shameless self-promotion. You know, hitting, hitting other people's uh, groups, other people's forums, just posting stuff. I wrote a book for some um, World War II air combat stuff. And the way I drove sales for that was I would go to forums on for combat flight sims. And just in my signature, I had a link to what I'd written. And that by itself drove. So just, you know, just, just get out there and get posts up and running, get pictures up and running, get, you know, put your links up. Um, and more importantly, try and be regular with your content. Yeah, that's right. Back to maintaining the appearance of constant activity. People come to a place and on, online, yet you look around like, is this place deserted? Am I the only one here? Are there other people here? Like you, you have to have that persistent, like no one wants to wander into like a discord server and glance through the channels and see that like the last timestamp was two or three years ago. And you're like, okay, this party's over and you, you leave. Yeah. So you got to have the regular updates. And, and absolutely. Like if you're trying to build an audience, you, you do what you do in real life. You go to the public square and you hand out flyers, right? Come see my band tonight. Everybody that walks by, you hand them one. Online for, for Kings of War, that means you go to Fanatics and you post a link. And then you go to like the regional group that you're in and you post the same link. And then you go to, you know, you just spread it around and you get some eyeballs. If you already have that audience, how do you turn an audience into, into a community? Get people involved. I mean, I would turn that question around and ask you, Rob, because like you guys have done a great job with it. You guys do like painting challenges. You've got After Dark. A lot of engaging, just like Paul said, like a lot of good involvement and engaging stuff there. Well, I think a lot of times when you have, when you're saying something or you're showing something, it's very one-way communication. It's like, I am, we are sharing this, right? And I know YouTube has comments and, and, and there are ways for them to rate the podcast, but it's not very involved. It's not very engaged. Well, we're, we're, we're typically leveraging Facebook but Discord is also a way to do it, but you can put up posts. And, and it may not even be 
specifically related to your 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 content. Like, yes, we could say, hey, we released this episode. What do you guys think? Let's have a conversation. But you could also say, hey, something we said on the podcast made me think about something else. What are your thoughts on this? Or we're gonna do an army review. And uh Trent, your buddy, I mean, he loves Kingdoms of Men, and we got about 15 questions from him. <laughs> so we love you, Chris. We do love Chris. We do love Chris. <laughs> it's it's interesting. And then, Mike, you, you hit on the head. I think one of the biggest things is give people an opportunity to engage in something that they're that we're all doing. We may not all be like extremely great hobbyists, but we're all probably doing at least a little bit of hobby. Yeah. You know, something we said real early in the show, I, I think, is that it's about being a role model or being an example. All right, look at look at this. Cool. Builds up steam. People are sharing, right? That's the that's the big thing their paint jobs or their army list, you know, take your pick. And, you know, it just snowballs from there. Back to what Paul was saying in involvement, like look at, look at what you're doing and think like, what is, what is the verb that people attach to this? Like, what is the thing that people come here specifically to do versus any other place on the internet? Like I come here to talk to my friends. I come here to share. I come here to paint and hang out. Right. So like, if you're looking to engage people and involve them more, I think like figuring out, you know, what, what would you say you do here? Right. And, and try to poke people and prod them and be like, this week we are doing this. Come here at this time. You don't have to leave your house Get, and, and do that for a little while and then see if it naturally happens when you don't tell people to do it. Then, then you know, you got it. Right. Like, you know, you've, you've built the muscle memory and you've built the habit in people. And I think when you engage people at that level, that's when you make impact. Before I'm just talking to the, to the, the, the space, uh, I'm just talking into the internet, right? But mm-hmm. when you actually get them to respond to something you've said, it's resonated. They have criticism. They've got positive feedback. They've got, hey, have you thought about, th-? I mean, this this episode is a classic example. We posted our first community building show and someone said, hey, what about online communities? Wasn't even on our radar. But we're like, yeah, you know what? That is a great idea. Thank you. <laughs> we will take that and we will leverage it. And we will. We do uh, take requests. <laughs> We do t- exactly. Yeah, we're we're a DJ. That's exactly right. That's right. We're, we're DJ. You know, another important distinction or important consideration, obviously, is the scale that you're trying to build. Right now, on a local level, obviously, there's a there's a we, we touched a little bit on the on the second episode, but there is a limit locally of what you can build, right? Because there's only so many people that have that that fall into that those those Venn diagram, that middle of that Venn diagram. That's the the people that are interested in Kings of War, you know, and but when you're online, obviously the scale can be bigger. But depending on what you're trying to do, you know, if you're trying to end world hunger, that's different than if you're just trying to get people to come to the game store and uh, play Kings of War with you. So I don't know, guys, maybe talk to a little bit about, you know, scale, the impact scale has on what you're doing. I think that um, you get to a point where the amount of effort that you're putting into creating community, um, it, you know, it becomes, uh, it outweighs your result. So you have to scale your effort into the size of your community. Like here, we're on Vancouver Island. I'm not looking to create, um, you know, anything further than the local area. Um, I believe that if you're trying to make something bigger, like you, you guys have, you're putting in way more effort than I am. And, you know, Sometimes if you put more effort in than you're ever going to get results for, then that leads you to possibly stop. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd, I'd like thinking about since, since we try to cast, you know, the, the widest net as, as possible, you know, and like you say, you, you, 
you can only fit so many people in your basement or in this, like the store only has so many tables and so many nights. So at some point, a local community, if it's super successful, might have to like segment and go on different nights or gather at different stores because you don't want people showing up and not being able to play because all the tables are busy. So like that's, that's a good problem to have, but like a thing you still have to manage. I don't even know how I would have, like, I would have to throw a con or something to just like, Hey, everybody reads Dash 28 loves Kings of War. We're, we're, we're going to be at, you know, like Nova open or Adepticon or something. Come by and LBO. see us. We're running some, or, or, right. Like LVO or like the Atlantic city open that's going on. Like, like any of those and be like, we're here. We're going to do a couple of fun little events. We're not running a tournament because somebody else already is, but like we're here to, you know, engage people and, and hand out swag or whatever. We might do something like that. I mean, that's kind of what we're doing for Adepticon, right? We like to go and uh, be present and record on site and meet people, talk to people, play games with people. Um, certainly hand out swag is, is always fun as well. At the end of the day, we we, we want the scene to grow. And, and it starts with the local communities, right? That's how the scene really grows. From your guys' background, we talked a little bit about it, but let's be more specific. What can we leverage online to help us with that local community? The on the nose thing is, well, you could have a Facebook group for your store, for example. But what are, what are some things that I'm missing? Um, so in terms of if, if you're trying to build local community and like what can you do online, I think almost the same thing that you can do in person. And that is like be a good ambassador, like put out the welcome mat. When people come in, be friendly, helpful informative like again communities are people they are built around people uh, so if you're the one that, that that wants to be doing the heavy lifting on this you've got to be the guy right like you you have to be the person that that people want to talk to about kings of war or want to ask questions to because they they know they'll get an accurate and quick answer you you have to be the community organizer um you guys are doing a session a, 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 an episode on pathfinders at some point right that's the next episode actually we're gonna have several pathfinders from around the world we're gonna have some pathfinders on to chat about officially anointed evangelists right. do it right so for those of us that are just out there you know doing it pro bono yeah it's 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 the same kind of thing like like Trent was saying like somebody comes by and sticks their head in the door and you talk to them for an hour like be prepared to do that online with new people that ask you know hey what's up with this game be prepared to have a conversation with them engage them try to get them to come do something in, in person uh try to make you know as smooth and easy of an on-ramp for them as possible if they're like well, i don't have models like i'll own you an army just come play, come check the thing out, right? Like the game sells itself if, if you can get people into it. So I think like, I think that this is one of those things where the online behavior and the real life behavior are, are actually not terribly different in terms of what you really need to do to engage people. You want to make it as easy as possible. Be a facilitator. Sometimes it's just showing people playing the game. Like, hey, look at look at us. We were, we were Wednesday night, we were playing. Here's four games of Kings of War going on. People see that and they go, huh, they look like they're having a good time. Those look like cool right. armies. Maybe I'll come out next week. I think there might be a little bit of uh, cat herding involved as well. Often with uh, wargaming, um, if you're dealing with, I, I, you know, I don't want to say younger people, but you know, as people get older, they mostly mature more. Sometimes you run into you know, a, an area will have multiple cliques of different people, and some don't like somebody else. So whenever you're getting that uh, that like talking going on, like don't get involved <laughs> if you if you can avoid it just you know like just don't become part of it and after a while you get the reputation of not being involved in that sort of thing and uh, people stop involving you which is less stress on you for starters but if you can be um, inclusive like I've you know, when I started up the war game um, we might have had like a couple of people that their social skills were a little bit lacking instead of like me jumping across the table and throttling them that I'd like to you know so like then go just you know be nice be calm it's funny because it also goes to not only 
that that interaction, but it's also how you respond to other people's games as well, right? Like a big thing is you may not like 40K. Well, it doesn't do you any good to tell them their game sucks. Yeah. And I think that's just the way it works is that- Get a defensive. Positive person, be a role model um, for all things. It's easy to say, it's hard to do. Mm-hmm. It's hard to be like the adult in the room and the hype man and the diplomats and the, but you know, you need somebody to wear each of those hats to, to drag things along. You don't have to wear all of them. You know, definitely if the best first person you can get is somebody else who is also fired up and also wants to build things so that you can share the responsibility, you're not necessarily lucky enough to do that all the time. But man, if you find somebody like that, like grab a hold of them, make their, they are your new best friend, right? Like we're partners. We are doing this together. Two years down the road, we're going to be running a massive tournament. It's going to be awesome. You're going to have hundreds of people showing up. It's going to be badass. Like find a buddy that wants to get hyped about this stuff uh, and you can keep each other amped up. The best communities aren't a one person show for like the podcast. It takes an army, right? There are four of us and there's multiple contributors. Dash 28, you have a long litany list of, you know, a long list of people that are contributing. Paul, are you a one man show or do you, do you have some help? I'm mostly a one man show. Uh, Gareth um, helps me with regular content. I work in IT, so I have um, relevant skills to doing the, the streaming stuff. Mostly one, but the good thing is uh, I have a, a good pool of stand-up guys uh, that are long-time wargamers that come to the Wargaming Club twice a month. And I say, hey, guys, I want to put a stream on Sunday morning, you know, 8 a.m., and someone's actually willing to get out of bed to do it. On the podcast side, that, that's the thing that's always a difficulty is sometimes I don't have a good idea. Like I need someone else to say, Hey Rob, you need, we need to do this. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Why didn't I think of that? Well, cause I, I we're human beings and, and we don't, we just don't know everything. We also don't necessarily, we're not perceptive enough to, to understand or empathize or see what other people are looking for in all cases. So sometimes there's an opportunity that there's a part of the audience that wants this thing discussed. And I think that's where from a, from a content producer, that's where the, the, the real meat of, the online community comes in because that's where they can tell you. And we do a survey every year. We're like, hey, what do you guys want to hear? And yes, army reviews are number one every year. But they're a lot of work and not everybody that listens to our podcast wants to hear an army review. Uh, some people want to hear more narrative stuff. You know, at the end of the day, it's just like a tournament, Mike. You want to put butts in the seats. So you're going to do whatever you need to do to get the people there within reason, right? Like to Paul's point, you're going to be a stand-up guy. You're going to do things the right way. But at the end of the day, you're going to cater, maybe you're going to cater the, the comp or you're going to cater the what your the number of games to what the audience or what the participants want. Uh, they call it reading the room. Reading the room. Could have said it all in one, one simple phrase. Exactly right, Paul. I don't get a lot of data this way, but um, some search engines do pass through like the search terms that people use that brought them to your site. So I do like uh, like occasionally looking at the search terms for, for Dash 28 for the search directed traffic to see if there's any little golden nuggets in there of like, Okay, so people didn't know who we were. They just went to, to Google and typed in Kings of War something. What was the something? What was that thing? Like, what was what's, what are people who we don't know yet actually looking for? And what do they want to know? Uh, and if there's anything like in there, I'll, I'll sometimes take it and turn it around to the authors and be like, hey, uh, people seem to really like reading about this. Anybody want anybody to turn something out on it? Anybody got something to say about it? Uh, yeah, so like you say, like knowing what, knowing what people are looking for. It's a huge advantage. One of the difficulties with podcasting is we do have an RSS feed. We do have a Squarespace. People are not typically engaging us via the Squarespace page. So that's where I can get my, I can see data, right? Like, oh, they're looking for this. Most people are, you know, they're going into iTunes or going into Spotify and they're doing a search yeah. and I don't have access to that data. So, I, you know, so whenever I can find a way to, to get data to say, this is what we want to hear. That's like, oh my gosh, that's the best, the best stuff. The way we're getting it mostly is via Facebook. 
putting up polls, putting up a survey monkey thing and saying, hey, guys, mm -hmm. what do you want to hear? Just like what you guys said before, online physical communities are the same thing in the sense that what works in one will work in the other. If you're physically with somebody, ask them, <laughs> what do you guys want to do? Does Wednesday night work for you guys to play? We've been kind of rambling on a little bit. Is there anything we didn't we didn't really hit on? I think we covered everything pretty well. Well, hopefully people got a little sense of, you know, there's a lot of online tools that are out there and you can use them to build an online community, which could be a goal within itself. You can use it to do like what Paul does is it has a YouTube channel and add some additional tools to really engage the audience, or you can use it to supplement what you're trying to do locally to build your scene. At the end of the day, it's all about community building. Whether, whether it's online or whether it's, it's, it's all about bringing people together in, in a common passion, in this case, mostly Kings of War, but you know, if they're into Firefight or Dead Zone or Dreadball, whatever, or even 40K. That was a great discussion. I, I learned a lot. Like I said, I feel like you, you guys are all the experts, but for, for me, as I feel like I'm the end user, right? Hearing your thought processes about how uh, a lot of this stuff works and getting to experience experience it from my end has been it's been pretty cool this is a cool episode i think let's go around and uh, give shout outs make sure we have the plugs in for the various sites and if there's anybody else that needs that needs a little attention here's a good opportunity to do that mike you want to start us off yeah um so you can find us at dash 28.org um we do kings of war content for for all kinds of things hobby tactics um events uh, we have tools that you can use like an online chess clock a map randomizer a scenario randomizer Use it twice a week, like clockwork, yeah. Like clockwork, baby. Um, uh, we also have a YouTube channel where we've streamed a bunch of, of uh, mostly Universal Battle games. We did that a lot back during the pandemic. Now that people are playing in person, it's a little less dense there. Like, we don't put out too many of those anymore because people are playing in person. But we'll see how things progress. And, yeah, if, if, if you're interested in either, like, getting in on, on commentating on some games or, or contributing to the site with articles, uh, let me know. And I can direct you to the right place. And we're always happy to see more smiling faces. Paul, throw it over to you. Okay, um, I'd just like to uh, say that there's a, a, a Kings of War tournament in Abbotsford in May uh, for BC for us uh, people over here, uh, May 27th, 28th, uh, called the Sunrise Showdown. You'll find it on Facebook. And uh, my channel is um, Victoria Wargaming on YouTube. And Paul, last year you did live streaming from the, the US Masters. Any chance we could see you in the future doing more event coverage like that? Yeah, there is. Um, we have Kipper's Melee uh, up here. Uh, I do th uh, the coverage of that. Um, the Last year, the venue, their internet connection was 1990s. It had really insufficient upstream bandwidth to do what we were trying to do. So it was very stuttery, but uh, it, it, it kind of seems to be the the kind of the way we get dealt with. Uh, hopefully, uh, the internet will get better. Um, probably not in the next year or so but i'm looking forward to uh diving more into the uh the greater community especially like the masters um, side of things uh, as my life settles down a little you got anything you want to share i don't think i have anything except uh hey what was the uh the tournament was it king's winter was it like uh a week ago the one last, last weekend? weekend yeah just want to give a shout out to my boy garrett mercier he came in second overall in that one thought that was pretty cool i got to take a little credit for that because you know i let him beat up on me a lot whenever i was back in colorado so you're welcome garrett <laughs> i have a a brief but fun anecdote that I want to share real quick that isn't really part of this discussion, but I think people will get a kick out of it. Uh, so a friend of mine down in Richmond went into a games workshop store uh, last week because a couple of people he knew were playing one of the one of the specialist games. And so he was going to try to see how much it cost to get into it. Uh, so he, he was in the store 
he was talking to the employee. He was getting the sticker shock, you know, of how much it cost to, to buy into that stuff. And the employee was like, well, what other games do you play? And he's like, well, I play smaller stuff like Saga or Frostgrave. Uh, but I got a friend who plays Kings of War and he's really into it. And the GW store employee said, oh, so that's your smart friend then. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. That's funny. Thanks for sharing. That was awesome. That's going to do it for us tonight. Until next time, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.